Are you all tucked up in bed? Up in bed? Have you got your warm jug of cocoa by your side? Good. 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 It's time to hug your pillow. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the pillow. To the pillow hugger. My name is Rob Vanston and I'm the writer and creator of The Pillow Hugger. I now bring you episode 4 of His Arms Resistem, the continuing story about a couple who have moved into their new flat and have purchased a painting to decorate their wall, only to discover that when they got home they got more than they bargained for. So please grab that pillow, hug it tightly and enjoy the next instalment of His Arms Resistem. His Arms Resistem, Part 4, written by Rob Vanston, narrated by Rob Vanston. I decided the next day that after we finished unpacking the last few boxes, we should go back to Lewis to take the painting back to the antiques dealer. Selling the painting online would just have been wrong, I knew that. I wouldn't be able to forgive myself if someone else would go through the same shit and end up worse, especially if children are involved, let alone animals, so the decision to take it back to the shop was a no-brainer. Plus, selling online takes ages and you can't guarantee an instant sale. We parked the car behind Waitrose, overlooking the brewery, and cut through to the town via the alleyway by Laura Ashley. As we walked across the bridge towards the end of town, we knew something wasn't right. The little town was busy that day. There were plenty of shoppers going about their business, purchasing, drinking, eating and browsing. It seemed the threatening grey sky had not put people off shopping. As we came to our destination, the true realisation of how weird your day can get became solidly apparent. A. Parson and Son Antiques established, 1885 had gone, and when I say gone, it was like the shop was never there. The battleship grey exterior that I remember walking into simply didn't exist. A cold wind blew up from the river, causing both of us to shiver briefly. The grey sky above us now had a yellowish tinge to it and looked like it was about to piss buckets down. Ange looked at me, and I could see the fear in her face creep through her normally beautiful aquamarine eyes. The building that was there instead wasn't even the same colour or shape. It was as if someone had come along, demolished and built another building on the same plot, but all in the space of a few days. Even changing rooms on TV would struggle with that challenge. Both myself and Ange felt our stomachs churn unhealthily. We were only here a few days ago, I blurted out, not helping the situation. I remember the day clearly. The moment I almost walked past the window, the feeling that pulled me towards the damn painting, the handing over of the money, but for the life of me I could not remember uttering one single word to the store owner or any assistant working inside. I couldn't even remember the name of the painting or the painter. This made the situation we were in even more fucking weird. Ange, do you remember me going inside the shop? I asked. Yes, she paused, then panicked. No, wait a minute. No, no, I don't. I could see a shiver again. I knew it wasn't weathered causing it. Her eyes widened. What is happening? Why can't I remember that? I should be able to remember that moment. The sea green eyes began to well up with salt water. I don't think we should have bought that painting, I said, stating the bleeding obvious. We should get back. It's starting to piss down. Just as I finished saying this, I stopped to pass by. Excuse me, do you know what happened to the antique shop that was here last week? Big grey building? Bay window? I asked, hoping for something that would give some semblance of sanity in his reply. The bald man looked at me suspiciously, his 
spots of drizzle beginning to cling to his beard. No, this building has been here ever since I've lived here, and that's a few years now. His silky voice sounded almost as if he was in a hurry and didn't want to be near the spot. He then apologised and walked off towards the river. This did not help. I suddenly noticed that the street had become devoid of people. Everyone had had the same idea, apparently, to get out of the impending rain. Drops began to fall gently, and I felt that my hand should quickly find one of Angie's for comfort. We started to walk back to the car. The rain started to get heavier, disguising the tears that I knew were streaming down Angie's face. There was nothing that I could say to her that would remedy our situation or make her feel any better, so I bottled up my own fears in the hope that that was all they would be, just fears. When we got home, we bypassed my office. The room felt alien to both of us. I didn't want to go in for fears of reprisals from the painting. It was bad enough the fucking thing changed while we weren't looking, but the freaking thing started to make strange noises as well as leave gloop all around the surrounding area. I was getting fed up with clearing the sticky stuff every time something fucking weird happened. I began to wonder what the origin of the picture was. A boy and a monkey with symbols looking tired and fallen was a strange subject to paint. So why had I bought it? What possessed me to go into the shop in the first place? And why couldn't Andrew myself remember the point of sale? I decided it was time to properly look at the painting, and I don't mean stare at it. I mean take the back of it off and really check the fucker out. I laid it down on the living room floor and twisted the turnbuttons that held the backing board to the frame. I removed the back panel and prized the canvas gently out of the frame. Dust mates floated off the back of it and drifted into the air. As I wiped away the remaining dust of the canvas, I could see what looked like a name. The handwriting was very elegantly written and almost looked like they were scribed by a calligrapher. I could see what looked like tea pulp, but I honestly couldn't be 100% certain. The writing was proper faded. I scribbled the remnants of the name down on the notepad next to me, hopefully the name of the artist or title of the painting. There was no signature on the main picture at all, and no dates were visible, or none that I could see. Dust had clung to the sides of the frame, probably because of the sticky excretions that the painting produced every time it wanted to scare the fuck out of us. I grabbed a packet of anti-back wipes and started to wipe the sides. The wooden frame felt cold, as if it had been placed in some sort of refrigeration unit. I realised then that the frame wasn't made of wood, but of some form of metal or alloy. That was why it felt cold. It was when I placed the canvas back into the frame when I noticed what looked like a piece of card had somehow dropped onto the floor. I had no idea where it fell from because I was certain that nothing else was in the frame. I picked it up and studied it curiously. It seemed to be made of some sort of thin wood. Really thin wood. Papyrus? It was old and stained a dirty ochre, like old bone yellow. There was nothing on it except a symbol which resembled a three-pronged fork within a triangle. I was curious. On the back was a phone number. 07544793628. Nothing else. Hello? A male voice. I imagined to be around mid-forties, suave and sophisticated sounding, probably a professor, or more hopefully, the artist. Hi, I said. I was wondering if you could help me. I got this number from a piece of... Should I tell him, papyrus? Paper which had dropped out at the back of a painting. I wondered if you could tell me more about it. Uh, hang on one sec. A click, then... I can't talk on the phone. Perhaps we should meet. The voice suggested. Meet? Why not just tell me on the phone? I questioned, unsure of the intention. It would be better if we met. There are a few things that I need to tell you in person that just can't be said on the phone. Things that I need to show you. The smooth voice said. Uh, okay, I said. Where did you have in mind, Mr... Um, I asked, hoping for a name. Diamond. Hamilton Diamond. He finished. Come meet me at my house. Demand Manor near Lewis. You'll find it on Google Maps. He said. Oh, and bring a wife. She's the key to all this.
Davis. Excuse me? How did you know about my... All will be revealed when you drop by. Goodbye for now. Then, a click. I didn't even get a chance to arrange a time. The short phone call felt almost curt, but reasoned that if he felt he couldn't talk on the phone, the situation must be bigger than I thought. But how? Who the hell was this Hamilton Diamond, and how did he know I was married? I began to feel like I'd been watched all along, and it wasn't from the creepy kid in the painting, whose eyes were now open, I might add. An uneasy sensation of paranoia began to thread its way through my grounded reasoning. I stared out the window and down the street looking for signs of suspicious people watching my every move. Nothing. No men in black. No men sat on the bench peering over their newspapers. How ridiculous of me to think of those clichés, I thought. And how did this Hamilton diamond fit in with T-Pulp? Guess I'd find out when we'd meet him. Later that evening, Ange and I sat down to have dinner around our small table in the living room. I remember that meal clearly every night since. The juicy pink meat in the centre was succulents. Ange always made the best roast potatoes. She used to pre-boil the spuds for a few minutes until the outer edges were starting to get to a mushy edge. She would then drain the water and knead the spuds to dry naturally. Next, she would douse the spuds in olive oil and butter, place the lid back on the pan and give them a fucking good shake so that the spuds looked like they were about to be mashed. The insides of the potatoes were still solid though. She would then season them and roast them in the oven for 40 minutes and when they came out, my god, they were proper crispy. I can't have roast potatoes that often because they bring me back to this very night. I told Ange about the papyrus, the symbol, the phone number and the following phone call I made to Hamilton Diamond and explained that we need to meet this guy to find out more, hoping that this would give us at least some answers. We both agreed to go to Hamilton Diamond's the next day and to take the painting with us in the hope of either finding answers or a way to rid ourselves of the damn thing. When we finished our meal, we both got up and washed the dishes together. Then we went to bed. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Pillow Hugger podcast. If you want more of this, you only have to wait one more week. This podcast is written and produced by Rob Vanston. Theme tune was composed by Jack Mayhew, with additional music by the Dielectric Drone All-Stars, available from the freemusicarchive.org. Sound effects were supplied by freesound.org, and the podcast artwork was designed by Connor Griffin. All their details are available on the website, so please check them out. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivative 4.0 license, which means you can't slash it, macerate it, rearrange it, or sell it to the devil. But it does mean you can share the love for free with aliens from the next galaxy and beyond. Head to creativecommons.org for more details. You can put your pillow down now.